Hello and welcome. This is what we're going to say, we're going to call Letters to America, uh, brought to you in conjunction with St. Joseph Radio and St. Joseph Evangelization Network, who kindly lend us their studios to record this broadcast. Now, for a lot of our previous programs, we have called this St. Paul's Letters to America, but I think today we'll just sort of shorten it a little bit. Anyways, this is a program where we look at issues facing America today through the looking glass of Christian thought. We compare what we are doing with Christian thought and teaching and ask whether they are consistent. And if not, we ask, is Christian thought true and lasting? If it is, then how much more important to know whether how we are living is in accord with it? And if not, then how is it not? And how is what we are doing actually the better? The question basically is whether there is truth. Has it been there for us all along? Is it for us to, or is it for us to make up as we go along? We don't ignore the question, we put it front and center. And today, we are going to, uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, a guest who I'm going to introduce in just a minute. I'm going to lay that as a, keep that as a tease for a second. But with me today in studio is my co-host, Bob Hennigas. Bob, thank you for being with us again. Good morning, Ray. Good to be with you. And okay, so here's the end of the tease. So with us today is <laughs> Tiffany Robertson. And Tiffany uh, started a project that I really... Um, I'm looking forward to hear her talk about. It's called Touchy Topics Tuesdays. And uh, basically, in essence, I think what, it, what it's all about is trying to get people from different backgrounds to bridge the gap and talk to each other. And I think it's been something of an up and down road, but she's going to be able to tell us all about that. So Tiffany, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you, Bob, for having me. Good morning to the listeners. Okay. So, uh, first off, I don't, you know, maybe it'd be just good just to tell us a little bit about yourself. So, you know, what was your family like growing up? What was, you know, what was your, your life like before you got into Touchy Topics Tuesday? Um, so, my parents, I am the youngest of 11. I am number 11. Wow. I was wow. the tiebreaker. You were so, the tiebreaker. <laughs> Um, my parents were married for uh, almost 50 years before my father passed. Oh, wow. Uh, Come from a very them. traditional household. Um, for me, being the youngest, I kind of had to go through several people, like the hierarchy, before I got to my mom. So um, my older sisters, who are some of them are maybe— uh, You had to go through channels. Yeah, I had to go through stages and steps and bruises and bumps. <laughs> There was a bureaucracy in your household. <laughs> yes. uh, so a lot of my older siblings are more like uh, parents uh, to me hmm. because they were much older than me and, and kind of um, had that parental nature with me. So that was pretty cool, I guess, um, when I think back on it. So just a traditional family. A lot of us, we grew up in stages. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm number 11. I'm the last one. And I, I often tell people, I think by the time my mother had me, she was just pretty tired. She was just worn <laughs> out. She's like, go talk to your sisters about that. Like, <laughs> I've done this. <laughs> by, the time, by the time you get to number 11, it's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't yes. have to do anymore. <laughs> um, okay. And then, uh, so uh, are you married? I am currently married. I've been married for 21 years. Shout out to my husband, Lionel Robertson, who is my heart my world we have five children um so everyone, not 11 
not 11. My siblings thought they were like, you're going to be like mom. It's <laughs> like, you know, and that is the day I made the appointment to stop having children. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm not. So we have five children. We have a blended family um, and we only have one child left at home. She's 13. So I told my children, once I can no longer claim you as a tax credit, I don't talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, how you can use your kids. Isn't that, I think that's what it's all about. Well, it's definitely about that for the parents, how they can use us. So <laughs> why not? Um, but, no, we have a, we have a great family, um, three, two boys, three girls. Um, and my husband and I, we own a business in – the city, it's a property maintenance business, so oh, small contracting um, company, and now Touchy Topics Tuesday. So we kind of manage both. So we're really busy, but we're really grateful. Yeah, running too. your own business probably didn't take enough time, so you probably just figured, well, I need yeah. something to keep me busy. Ap- that was it. <laughs> that was it, right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about Touchy Topics Tuesday. What is it and how did it get started? Um, so Touchy Topics Tuesday or TTT for short. Some of us call it T3, just TTT or um, it started I'd like it was an answer to a prayer. It was it was not this this intentional thing that happened. So I worked in financial services for a very long time. And right as I retired from my financial services, um, I had a daughter in high school at the time and a, a, a very young daughter, my Two young daughters were still home, and I just kind of I decided to leave my job and, and raise them um, in the way I hadn't got to do with my older children. And my husband was like, that's not okay. Like, who did you ask? I'm like, I told God, so, you know, so, talk hey. to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, That's a pretty good authority. But, it, like, the year I retired, 2014, um, that I left financial services, uh, Michael Brown happened in Ferguson. And my daughter... Um, was a sophomore or freshman one in high school. And um, I just remember um, a- about this time, her her expectation and then her ultimate, like, um, disappointment in the uh, verdict that came out with the officer. And her expectation was that this officer will be indicted, this, this you know, I've grown up in this world that justice looks like this and, you know, everyone is viewing this this way. And she kind of argued. She was a very young teenager. She argued with her dad and I about how this was going to turn out and the things that we experienced didn't exist anymore. And so sit our old butts down and let this new generation show us how it really, really is. Right. And so, you know, with the teenager, you just kind of let them get their um, disappointments I, or their lessons. I had some of that. I had, I had two teenage daughters. Okay. I experienced some of that. Yeah, I, there was a while there where I, I knew nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, in that moment after the verdict was, um, the non-indictment verdict was handed down, I, she had been up on the second floor of our home, just kind of, she was watching it like, you know, with popcorn, like I can't wait to go down and, celebrate this. So my husband and I were on the first floor of our home and um, when the verdict came down, we just heard this this guttural scream from mm-hmm. her. It was as she was 14 at the time and it was it was one of those things as a parent that you know it hurts your soul um, because it's, it's from a place of hurt and disappointment and confusion for her and for me it's from a place of introduction into a, a world that you know we have to navigate and, and live in and how do you, um, 
you've tried to shield them from that, but now um, those blinders are off and they, you have to teach them now how to navigate this new landscape, right? And so when she came down, my husband and I, we did not try to comfort her. We kind of let her sit in the uncomfortableness of that moment and process it um, the best way that she could. But I did pray. I did pray afterwards. I held her, but I did pray afterwards, and I said, hey, okay, God, look, this feels way too big for me. I'm one person, and this is your creation stuff kind of going on (laughs) down here. So if you want me to respond, here's here's a yes. And I should have made that yes conditional. (laughs) You know, I didn't place any conditions on that yes. I'm experience with that. And so what what is now turned into Touchy Topics Tuesday started off with literally uh, me walking around my neighborhood with a prayer baton, just praying for the really? community. Yes, just just praying, just um, really praying for um, the people in the community. And one of the things God had me to do was to blame. I had to walk every street in my um, community. Um, so rain, sneak, sleet, or snow, my children and I were out, and they thought I was the weirdest. I felt weird with this, like, a prayer baton. I literally had the prayer in the baton. And so some of my neighbors noticed, um, and I would hand, I asked them if I could hand the baton off. Like, would they pray in their communities that they worked, lived, playing, prayed this prayer? We were praying this dedicated prayer. And so from there, just getting to see different people and meet different people, um, some of those people we decided to kind of meet one day at a coffee shop and talk about this this elephant in the room that we were responding to, but we weren't kind of talking about. And so we met on a Tuesday, um, myself and several other. I was the only black person in this meeting, and um, I was not honest about um, what I really felt because here I am, I'm the only black person with this group of white people and I've been conditioned to kind of defer um, to their thoughts and opinions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the people who was there at the time, after we, we stayed in that cafe um, for hours, um, and I think we expected to land somewhere and I learned pretty quickly, like the landing does not come. Um, but she asked if we could continue to meet. And so we kind of continued to meet, and it just happened to be on a Tuesday. And so now six years later, um, I am still having these conversations with people of all different communities. It's a little bit more formatted now, as Ray remembers, and the model has developed from all of my experience in this. But it's been um, the the longest answer to a prayer, and now I give God conditions. When I was like, "Wait, if you want me to respond, I'll do this, that, and the other." Like, I'm yeah, because his, you know, his, his problem is if you just simply give him a blank check, I mean, he'll say, "Okay, here's what I got for you." Yeah. And then you're like, "Whoa," um, you know. But uh, yeah, it starts off with like, "Well, so who am I? I'm nobody." And, yeah. And then the answer comes back. Oh, yeah, you can do a lot. And yeah. I think you've done a lot with Touchy Topics Tuesday. Thank and you. It's got, yeah, because I, um, and I invited Tiffany here today because uh, I did join one of her groups. She yes. Had, she had three groups when I joined. And uh, it, was, it was eye-opening. Yes. And uh, it was never dull. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. It was never dull. And, you know, we talked about the things that, as you say, 
a lot of times people avoid. Yes. You know, because they're afraid, you know, what might happen. As a matter of fact, you know, when we started this program, um, we started by, by saying, we often said that the program would talk about two things people say you never are supposed to talk about at the same time, which is yeah. religion and politics. Politics, yeah. You know, I, I was, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, um, uh, Man for All Seasons, it came in 1966 movie. Uh, told the story of St. Thomas More, who was, you know, beheaded by King Henry VIII because he wouldn't agree to, you know, a divorce that Henry wanted that, you know, the Catholic Church wouldn't agree to. And, you know, More, you know, stood on his principles because he said, you know, I can't, this is my faith, this is what I believe, I can't abandon yeah. my God. And there was, um, there was one point in the, in the program, in the movie, where um, there was a cardinal, Catholic cardinal who's trying to convince him to basically break ranks with the Catholic Church because, you know, hey, this is what the king wanted, so this is what we ought to do. Yeah. And so this cardinal chastised him and said, you know, I mean, look what you're doing just as a matter of private conscience. You're elevating your private conscience, yeah. you know, over, you know, your duties to your king and so forth. And he said, he said um, when elder statesman, and he was, he was a high-ranking you know, he was like the highest ranking, I think. I mean, he's Chancellor of England, which is second to the king, I think. But he said, he said when elder statesmen forsake uh, their private conscience for, their, for the sake of their public duties, they quickly lead their country to chaos. Mm. And so what you're doing is exploring, you know, what people feel internally. You're, you're having people, you know, reach into their, their private conscience, you know, um, because I know my experience, you know, uh, with it, a lot of times it was difficult. The discussions were tough, yeah. you know. But as a matter of conscience, it's like, well, you know, these you have to. I mean, you you have to just you know feel love for everybody in the group, and I think that's what I think that's. I mean, if I'm going to just offer a personal opinion, yeah, I think that's what your project does. Even if you don't agree with somebody, yeah, you know, you still got to care about them. I think it was a, I agree with that, but I, I don't think, I think that comes from a place of faith for us, um, but I don't think that's everyone's experience to have to do that. And I think the uncomfortable process of developing that, it's a process. Some of us never take, some of us take it through our attendance at church, through our family, you know, through other relationships that we need to, you know, kind of stay connected to. And some of us, um, we've never taken that journey, and it's such an uncomfortable process to to learn the nuance of not having those values aligned and still agreeing to stay in community, not wanting to see harm come to you, um, and still wanting the best for your values as um, as much as I can align with them. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's something we haven't discovered uh, across ethnicities, across gender. I, I don't think that we've really taken the time to explore that and build community, not necessarily based off kumbaya, everybody agrees we're all in, but based off those things that do actually give us our individuality. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that even though we're all different, we all have, we have different backgrounds, we're different individuals, I guess it's the idea that, and tell me, you know, if, if I'm not right about this, but the Touching Topics Tuesday is built sort of on the on the premise that we got to live together. We're all we are all part of one 
one group, one community. Is that yeah? We're going to respond to we're going to respond to these things to the stimulus to the stimuli happening around around us. How are we going to respond? We're going to constantly keep drawing back from each other and just you know kind of at it all the time or are we going to eventually try to find a way not perfect it because I, my saying is perfection is an illusion this side of life so um, we can't perfect it but we can definitely work to develop more of a um, process for how we stay in community and community doesn't mean just the person who's in close proximity to your home or your workplace you know community with people so that was that was a process for me to learn too. You know, I was doing a lot of learning and unlearning in that place, and many times I went back to God and was like, "This is a trick, right? Like, <laughs> I heard you wrong." Yeah, I was willing to go back to carrying the baton than to stay because this is soul work. Yeah, this is this is really difficult spiritual, soul, physical work. Um, but I wanted to be able to answer my daughter's question. I wanted to be able to comfort her at some point and give her some tools. She was going to, you know, eventually be off to college or, you know, starting her life in adulthood. And I wanted her to have some tools that I didn't have to navigate these things that she was experiencing. Did she well, ever? I'm well, sorry. Tiffany, I was just going to say, it's a, to me, it's a wonderful thing. If I've experienced in my life when real trouble happens, it's when people quit talking. They don't discuss their issues, and all of a sudden, without the ability to talk, you start forming your own opinions, and you make calls that turn violent. Wars start because countries aren't talking with one another. Anytime you can begin a dialogue and have as a group of people the opportunity to sit down and talk, all of the smoldering hot stuff, while it may, it may light up in that conversation— it doesn't lead to something much more progressive and, and much worse. I, to me, this seems like just a marvelous way to allow us to try to take things on at a level that's not scary for folks. It may be scary to talk, but it's not going to cause violence. It's not going to cause hatred. It's not going to cause us to separate, but to try to figure out how to come together. And I think silence is is a killer. You you start not feeling the other person. Yeah. You become disenchanted with them, and all of a sudden, bad things can occur. It seems like a wonderful move to try to begin this dialogue. And and that's how you know it was God. I'm not that smart, creative, and yeah. <laughs> really, but no. And it was very organic, and I think it needed to be because now I've say, well, this is the micro level. Uh, this is the entry to build a mezzanine level, and and to kind of take these macro systems and digest them in smaller bite-sized chunks where you can kind of locate yourself first, like you orient yourself within this greater landscape, and then you can build coalition and you can start to move toward um, bigger issues. But sometimes people just don't know their entry point. I didn't know my entry point. I had no idea this was going to be my entry point. And um, it was another point you made that I want to – quickly say that was also why I built in the Freestyle Fellowship, because we were meeting every Tuesday having these very difficult discussions, and I realized very quickly 
we have to be able to socialize too. There has to be some balance. And so once a month, we would just hang out, go bowling, go play golf. And I call them freestyle fellowships. We would bring our families and extended community members. And I remember Michael, uh, not Michael, I'm sorry, Ray came to our five-year celebration, and he saw all of the people. It was great. Who had been a part of that community in some way or another. But so that helped us to come back on Tuesday. And now there are boundaries, like there are boundaries to how we respect each other. There are boundaries that have developed without us giving rules, like the rules have created themselves because we're in fellowship with each other. So it's genuine. The rules, the, yeah. Yeah, you didn't yeah. have to name all of these. Here are the guidelines. Here's what you don't do. I see you every week. Um, you're a part of this new community I'm building. I want to be honest with you, but I, I have a relationship with you enough to know this. I shouldn't cross this line with you. So, so before I, I thought I heard you saying that you know the real, you said something once about you know the real hard part of of TTT, and I, I thought I heard you saying that you know people come from all these different points of view and such. So. Is, it, is the really hard part of TTT developing a sense in people that there's value in being part of one community? There's value in, in working at this? Is that kind of what you were saying? That, I mean, it's kind of like a marriage, it seems like, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got two people and sure there's love and, um, and you know, with your, your fellowship, you know, um, events and such, you're building, you're building friendship, you're building, you know, togetherness on a personal level. Um, and so I guess that that's kind of equivalent to, you know, love in a marriage. But even in a marriage, you still need to work at it. Yeah. You know, and so, but you do, you do work at it. You're willing to work at it because you realize, well, we got to, you know, it, it's good if we stick together. Yeah. I mean, is that kind of what, what goes on with TTT where you, people, <sighs> people have to learn to work at it or... That was definitely, there's so many experiences to be had in TTT. Um, that was definitely part of part of the experience. I think the the biggest part, or one of the one of the other parts that I noticed was really difficult for people was to come in and take off their avatar, the avatar that we wear, all the boxes we've been conditioned to check that says this is how you show up, this is who you are, this is what is politically safe to say you believe in, and to kind of guide people through a process of saying what's in your heart, how do you really feel. Um, about a person of another identity, with, with regardless of what that identity is, and trusting that uncomfortable process that you may have revealed this, but it doesn't make you, that does not, you know, point to you being a good or bad person. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really difficult. I saw even myself struggle through a lot of that because we've been conditioned, you know, to wear our avatars, depending on, you know, mm -hmm. if we're at work or if we're at church and how we show up. So having this space and once you see one person start to reveal their authentic self or who they are that day, because that, that changes, right, um, then it kind of has this domino, this multiplier effect. And we're crying together. We're laughing together. We're comforting each other together. And you kind of get used to that. Like, that feels really good. If that makes sense. Well, sure it does. If if you think about the world that we're in today, we have this persona in the elect electronic community. We're on Facebook or yes. we're on whatever. And we don't put our real pictures out there. We only put when we look the best. And then we put those pictures out there. And we don't put when we're angry. We yeah. just 
put nice things. And so I'm angry. I have, well, since I don't have much hair, I don't have a bad hair day, but I, I, I've got all these things and I know that those are real. Yet I look at one of the social media sites and I look at everybody else and they're always perfect. Yes. And there's their avatar. That's what, they, that's what they're showing. Yet I'm this clown that looks bad and feels bad and, and it sort of sets you up for a world of, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. the lowest of the low as opposed to one of the community and to expose that, to take that away, to allow people to feel like they're one of the group, one of the others, and that they really are being real and true yeah. begins to allow you to understand worth and, and value to others. And I am, I'm one of that group. It's, it's, it's really interesting because so many people have two worlds that they live in, their reality yes. in this world electronically. <laughs> yeah. That's that's and you get to see the full expression of that and by you know physical movements the tears you get to see the full expression of that and you're not just um, projecting that through a screen or whatever and so it was really important for me to have a face where we're face to face like we're going to and and we're not going to always feel good about what's being said and we have to know that there's a place for this is the place for us to work through the, and we're coming back next week so it's gonna it might take you a week to process it but you come back and you deal and you build and you strengthen and deepen your relationship with these people so let's take uh, a touchy topic that, okay that i um that i had an experience time so and you're talking about you know uh getting laying the avatars aside and you know, showing your true self. And I think part of that is what, recognizing other people for their true self, right? So um, one time, um, you know, somebody asked me in one of these sessions, you know, well, like, who do you think I am or something like that? Or, and I was like, um, you know, and they asked me, well, do you see me as black? Mm-hmm. And I said, I try not to. Okay. I said, and I forget, you know, I was just, I won't mention the person's first name, but yeah. I, I see you as, you know, and I just use the person's name, you know, uh, you know, I'm through these through these meetings. I was trying to get to know you as, yeah. as a person. And um, the response I got was, well, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to see me as black. And yeah, I, I had uh, I, I had a hard time trying to, you know, understand. I think that's what you're talking about yeah. to, to a large extent is that people do have a hard time seeing things the way other people see them. Yeah. And um and I think I, I knew what she was talking about. Um, you know, I have to see things as she th- sees things through, you know, being a black person and so forth and wants me to be aware, you know, of her experience as a black person. Um, you know, when I was, but, you know, I, um, I, have, I still have questions about whether or not uh, ultimately we should be seeing all of us as, as, as people, as just, as, you know, you know, I mean, because that person, there's so much more to that person than just, I mean, if I just thought of her just as a black person, there's so much more to it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, but that was one experience that I had. I think I was there for that. I, I know I missed a couple of your sessions because I, I was so. really tired. Oh, maybe you were. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I was doing were. three sessions in the podcast on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you want to? Did you want to add to that? I don't want to respond. No, no, please, to add. please. So yeah, um, I, that was actually probably part of a lot of the conversations. That particular thing, and I think when a person of a different ethnicity is asking you to recognize their 
ethnicity? There are two reasons. So they want you to see them as black so that you can see yourself as white. Like it's not just projected onto who they are. Mm-hmm. It forces you to, to reflect that you're white. And there's a history there of, the, of conflict and, and relationship that they want you to acknowledge instead of just making that – putting that burden on them for for them to always reflect and acknowledge on it. It should be a burden that white people have to reflect and acknowledge on. And you can't reflect and acknowledge on that if you're just saying, I don't see you as black. I see you as a person. Well, there's a a conflict. There's lack of trust. There are all of these things between who you are and who I am. And so when you say, I just don't see you as a black person, you're kind of erasing all of the stuff that exists between us, which means you're not, feels like, feels like you're not interested in fixing it and doing your part to fix it, if that puts it in some context. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. Yeah. Um, I, I think I understand it as, as best I can. Um, you know, where I'm coming from, you're right, where I come from is, is basically a religious perspective. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, where I'm coming from is, well, this person has a soul. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, and, and God doesn't see skin color. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, God sees through all, all I mean, this is, you know, what I, what I think, what I believe, is that, you know, things like that are not necessarily important for him. What's important for him is who you are in your soul. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of look at other people. And, you know, I... I guess maybe it's a question of, well, you know, what's more important or what, what do you have first? Maybe you need to do both, see people as individuals, uh, see them for their their individual character, their, their, you know, who they are in their soul and their heart. And maybe part of it is also, you know, seeing them in terms of, you know, their experiences uh, because of, you know, their skin color. Yeah. And maybe the question is, okay, need to do both, but which is more important? Uh, you know, yeah. Um, that's really good point, and I do think I, I think God does see and care about skin color. He's he's. I always say with TTT, I was like, so you're omni creative too, <laughs> like like you're just like this was so creative and way beyond my scope of creativity. So I know it was His grace imparted through me that allowed me like to sustain this, to scale it. But I think He does see skin color. He talks about every nation and tongue and race being with him. So that means he created them differently. He created cultures uh, differently and placed them in different parts of the world. So I don't think he's he dismisses it. And he does care about the soul, but he also cares about every part of what we go through in this uh, experience on this side. Um, and I, I try not, uh, again, unlear- unlearning for me, like the, the, mo- the priority piece of my identity is how God sees me. But it's also that's that's a spiritual journey, how God sees me, and it's it's practical for me. But for someone else, the priority portion of their identity might be their ethnicity, and it can it can it can be it doesn't have to be either or. It can be plus and. Um, you don't when you're talking to a professional a attorney, a doctor, a teacher, anyone. You don't expect them to dismiss that part to say, you know, this point. is more important. That's a good point. So, yeah. you know, I think the dismissal or the erasure, what feels like erasure when people's ethnicity are important to them because it drives certain decisions made about them, toward them, 
Um, and so I just I try not to place my priorities or project my priorities on how they center their identity. So this is a little example, a little sample of what happens in TTT. So and I, you know, and I, I think multiplied it, by like six or eight <laughs> people who who are hopping in everywhere and and interjecting, and you lose your point. And so yeah, it gets, it gets <laughs> so um, but this is uh, this is a uh, a program that that does try to examine things through a Christian perspective, and yeah. usually what we do is uh, we take you know some part of scripture yeah and look at what's in it and say okay so how does this apply to what we're talking about yeah and it just so happens i have one okay i got one too let me pull oh, out my bible phone yeah oh, do you, my you, favorite one no go ahead i gotta i gotta i gotta find it because i'm not i'm not real good with the dresses okay i just try to take to heart what it says <laughs> well, well thinking about you know this, this program today uh what i thought was uh, a letter from uh, St. Paul, uh, it's one that everybody's, a lot of people are familiar with, not everybody, but a lot of people are familiar with, mm-hmm. where he talks about many parts but one body. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, the body is not a single part but many. Um, you know, if a foot should say, hey, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. It can say whatever it wants, but it's still part of the body. And... Um, it goes on in this letter to, to ask this question. You know, if all the parts of the body, I mean, if they were all one part, where would the body be? If all the parts of the body were just separate parts living out there all by themselves, where would the body be? He continues, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor again to the head to the feet, I do not need you. Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable we surround with greater honor, and our less presentable parts are treated with greater propriety, whereas our more presentable parts do not need this. But God has so constructed the body as to give the greater honor to a part that is without it, so that there may be no, no division in the body, but the parts may have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. And what you're talking about when you say people say, I, I, want you to, I want you to see my race, I want you to see my ethnicity, um, they want you to suffer what I suffer. They want all the parts of the body, this community in which they live, um, to feel some sense of, of their suffering. Um, that we all should have concern for one another. So I think, I think this, I mean, this, this applies, and I think the overriding message that I see from this particular passage is that whether you like it or not, we're all part of the same community and that we have to learn to talk to one another. This is why I think, you know, your project is so valuable. We have to learn that we can't say to another part of the body, hey, I don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. We're all part of one body because God did make us all and made us all to be part of, you know, his one family. So I don't know. That's, you yeah. know, what I what I get out of this particular passage, and that's why I kind of thought it'd be appropriate for today. Yeah, I get that. Um, I don't, and I don't think it's a, it's a, um, we're not, I think if you're, if you're a Christian, you're part of that body. Like Paul was talking to people who called on Christ, you know, who believed in Christ. But 
everyone hasn't always been treated as part of the body, even in, even in the Christian circle. And so we... We, we can't glaze over that, and we can't not acknowledge it and try and rectify it and reconcile it. And I think a lot of times, especially Christians, again, the unlearning for me is we want to get to the forgiveness, love part without really dealing with all of these underlying things um, that has gotten us to the, uh, I kind of don't trust you to forgive and love. And we have to deal with those. And it doesn't mean we can't get to that, but it's not on the person's timeline who just wants to move to that. And I think it's, it's almost like um, when you go to therapy, there's some trauma and some hurt that you need to work out and work through. Or when you go to the gym, you know, you need to work out. You can, you don't go once and expect that muscle to be strong. You have to continue to go and break down some muscles and build some muscles. And you get to, you know, eventually this place where you're seeing some sculpting, hopefully. You're seeing, you know, some changes, but you still go. Or you're going to you're gonna re, uh, re reverse back to that previous condition and so I think a lot of times we can't just gloss over um, what has happened between us and we have to get to a point where through this uncomfortable process even if it makes us feel some type of way even if we don't have all of the historical context even if we're ignorant about it Somebody's experience is tied to something completely different than yours. And we just want acknowledgement, I think, um, not projected just on, okay, you can acknowledge that. I don't have to acknowledge my heritage in it. And I think that's, you know, it's a both and. So if we're going to try to do what this program does and ask the question, hey, uh, what we find in the letters of St. Paul, what we find in Scripture uh, are these things true? And if they're true, then it's really important that we know them and, and, and try to live up to them. So with this partic- in this particular case, um, I think I hear what you're saying that, you know, um, if you, people come from different backgrounds. The Christian background is, is one of a lot of Christian people, the way they, the they want to practice their Christian or, or play out their Christian background is to just jump to, Hey, you know, we're all part of one thing without having to consider what's happened before then. And if that's so, if that's the correct reading of this, then there might be a weakness in this. But doesn't he say, look, you know, we all have to have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And what I hear you saying is that, you know, the problem a lot of so-called Christians have is that we're not living up to that, that we don't have enough concern for what other people are suffering. We don't feel that suffering ourselves. And if that's what's, what some might say would be a weakness with this, I guess I'm thinking, but that's what he's telling us to do. Mm-hmm. And if he's telling us to do that, to consider the suffering that other people have had, what they've had to go through, and not forget about it, not gloss over it, not dismiss it, Mm -hmm. but to try to really understand it and consider it and have real concern, have real love in your heart. I mean, Mm -hmm. the good stuff, the real stuff, the true kind for other people. um, Then I think we're saying the same thing. And if that's so, then I think the other part of this passage then comes in where he talks about unity and that we're all part of the same body, and not to just jump to that, but to give that maybe as our goal. Yeah. You know, that, you know, we have to all 
value the fact that we're all part of the one community. I mean, I think what he's talking about is, you know, really, um, and I think, yeah, it's the next, what this leads into is is his hymn on love, what comes next after this in, in his letter to the Corinthians. Yeah. But it is love that connects. Yeah. And, okay, I know, yeah, that's easy yeah. to talk about. And sure, there are, most of the time, we don't, I mean, there are sometimes, no, heck, most of the time, we don't practice it. Yeah. And most of the time, Christians don't practice and don't live up to these things. But if the truth of this is that we have to suffer with one another, we have to, and suffering is another form of love, right? If you suffer, why would you feel suffering because somebody else is suffering? If you're not going through what they're going through, but you still suffer because they feel bad. You talked about your daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And you felt bad for her when she let out that scream. It could uh, kind of tear into your heart. Why? Because you loved her, yes, right? And so if we feel suffering as the way other people suffer, it's because inside there's got to be some love there because that's the connection. And if love is the truth, if God is love, as, as John says, I mean, these things from the Bible, God is love, that we're all connected. If these things are true, then this, this matches up. This is consistent. If God is love and we're bound, and we're all created by God, then we're bound by this love. We're pretty poor at recognizing it, you know. But if that's so, then we are all united. And sure, there are lots of times we act like we're not. But that at least if we remember, uh, you know, that there is this unity that we're supposed to be living out. Yeah. Um, And at least we have that as the goal. At least we know what we're trying to do, even mm-hmm. if we fail over and over again. Then at least we can be going in the right direction. Yeah. I don't know. Am I, does this make any sense? No, no, no. I think it does. And I think strictly speaking from the, the passage that you wrote and trying to kind of encompass this pas- passage in a conversation. And just what I'm thinking about is the love and suffering part. And, yes, God created us. But. If that was the end all be all, like Jesus came to earth wrapped in flesh so that he could suffer with us and and get and empathize and know what we had to go through wrapped in his flesh and still went to the cross um, on our behalf. So if I was the only person in the world who would accept what he did on the cross, he would have done it anyway. That is the ultimate goal. I am probably never going to reach that this side of life. Um, however, the suffering part to, to so that we will have a, a person, a divine person in heaven that has um, that has empathy for our human condition. And I think that is the part that we gloss over. We gloss over the development of empathy that leads to that form of love because you have to be able to walk along someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you can't step in their shoes you by relationship and them sharing that experiences and being able to articulate and you acknowledging and recognizing that. And it's, it's not even um, affirming it. It's saying, I hear you and I'm acknowledging you. And how can I help eliminate what you're telling me is your experience? Um, And I think that is the uncomfortable process, especially in the church. We just want to, and I am a Christian. I identify as a Christian. That's very important to me. But one of the things that God had to show me was even me, even us who think we, we, all of our identity is wrapped. He's like, well, walk out who I was among people who are different from you. Suffer alongside them and draw them to me by how you show 
compassionate empathy. And then there's a love language. I swear, my husband, after 21 years, still does not get my love language. Taking out the trash does not say, I love you, Tiffany. You know, and and, 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 that, and that, that's love language. Take yeah, that's a, I mean, I'm just saying how people are oriented. You know, he comes in with a cape. You change the light bulb. You want applause? Like, what is it? Um, but finding out how a person receives love is equally important. And just because you're giving it out in one way doesn't mean that the person's receipt of it is received that way. And so all of that comes, all of that nuance and and complexities come in just developing those relationships. And sometimes, because not everybody stayed at TTT, sometimes it gets to a point where people just decide, um, this is way too much for me. I'm not at a place. And I respect that because only you know your boundaries with what you're able, what you have capacity for, right? And so a lot of people left um, the TTT space. And I, I was trying to figure out before I had this, this supernatural wisdom that they didn't have capacity and they were, you gave them permission to state that you gave them the freedom to say, y'all do this. I'm not knocking what y'all do, but I don't have capacity and I need to sit in this other thing for a little bit. Okay. I'm cool with that. And you're still in my community. I still want the best for you. You know, whether or not we ever develop this, a deeper connection, you're still part of my community. So, um, it's, it's definitely a, a thin line to try and navigate, and it's not this. Um, oh, it's definitely a difficult line. Yeah, you can't bullet point this. You're dealing with people full of emotions and complex experiences, and so you really just have to really, it takes a lot of humility. You have to humble yourself, you know, to the cross almost, it feels like. You just, and you have to be willing to go through uncomfortable moments. Oh. People don't agree with you. I mean, I'm sure you've had lots of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, so tell me about, so where's TTT going? So you've been at this for six years. Now, yes. when I was with it, you had three groups that were meeting. Then COVID hit. Yes. So I'm sure that, that kind of threw a monkey wrench into things. But where are you Thank now? Thank God. Where, where, <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you now? Where are you going? You um, so now um, TTT will be opening to the public. So... Uh, remember, initially we were kind of we were kind of like this traveling group of vagabonds, so to speak. <laughs> we were going to different places, and so I wanted so, to centralize that. Go ahead. So, um, if anybody, maybe we haven't, and I guess maybe I guess we haven't said this. So, TTT is in the St. Louis area. I know you mentioned, you know, Michael Brown and so forth. So pe- maybe people got that, but yeah. So, TTT is is in has been in the St. Louis area for the last St. Six Louis, years. Webster Groves. Um, Delmar Loop, and then we had some people who were just traveling from rural areas to be a part of this conversation, oh, wow. Oh, wow. who were feeling disconnected, and and again, people need an entry point. They need somebody to say, "You're welcome at this table," and I'm not going to project my expectations on you, and we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Um, so we had some people coming from some rural areas to wow. participate. Wow. Yeah. So this is the value. So yeah. so you open it up to the public. Yes. It will be open to the public. I am, I've centralized TTT. Uh, it's by a reservation system through the website. You can come and you can plan to just have lunch, just have a two-hour session with some people who you don't know. Maybe you do, but maybe you've never had this type of discussion over a meal. You're breaking bread with someone, and you can come back as often as you like, which I hope is a lot. Um, but you also get to develop relationships with people who live differently from you, who 
think and explore their faith differently. And it just, for me, it's, um, or for my participants, it, a lot of them call it the most, uh, they said we're branding Tuesdays like the NFL has Sundays. It is the most uncomfortably necessary day of the week because right now everything is happening so quickly and so mm. Um, yeah, things are changing. Yeah, adversely. And everyone is scrambling to figure out where they are in this landscape. How can I? And this is just the place not to give you the answers, but to just give you a start to figure it out in community. Have you ever had anybody like ask you, hey, you know, could this move into other cities or be taken to other cities? Um, I, I, I've uh, John Hopkins uh, University just finished researching the model. So researching the TTT model. Researching the TTT model. I've so had. So would they they send uh, somebody here? Um, actually, half of my participants were professors and um, uh-huh. heads of state in their industry, uh, teachers, superintendents, and one of the participants was a professor from. Um, John Johns Johns Hopkins. Hopkins, yes. Mm-hmm. So they decided to research the model. I, I believe that's how that came about. They're, um, they will be publishing that this spring. Um, so, yeah, I'm a sink or swim. Some, so so you, don't, you, you, you don't know what's going to be in there yet exactly. Um, I, well, I don't expect it to be all good. I expect the truth to be in there. I, I expect these experiences to impact people the way they impact people. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's and the podcast, of course, was put on hiatus because of COVID and we were in the studio. Um, but I'm hoping to eventually get a um, a building, my own building, because right now it's being hosted by the Wild Carrot, the place where we had our oh, anniversary. Terrific, event. terrific, terrific. Yeah, so it would be there on Tuesdays for a couple of hours, 12 to 2. You can make reservations through touchytopicstuesday.com. Um, and afterwards, I'm hoping that I will get a building and just be able to have a TTT cafe. It will be a place that is intentionally dedicated to building community through these conversations. Yeah, that'd be that'd be special. That'd be terrific. Yeah, and you could come and, and host the Tuesday conversation, I, right, Ray? I could do that? Well, you could come and participate. <laughs> <laughs> Would I have a mic? Could I get a microphone in front of me? Yeah. Every, every, at TTT, everyone has a microphone. That's the great thing about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's voice is amplified. So... Um, you know, you said that uh, before, you know, your your faith has, you know, I guess been sort of a, a source of, you know, some strength for you through all, through all of this. Oh, it was either it was either Jesus or marijuana with this <laughs> journey. Like one of the two was going to have to carry me through. So uh, I, leaned, I leaned a lot into my faith um, yeah. for this. Yes. And uh, have other people, you know, brought faith, uh, you know, in, in your experience, have other people, you know, brought that into this at all? I attract, TTT has attracted probably a lot of more non-faith community, mm-hmm. um, but I will say this, the, the, the faith community that is represented, I see, I see respect exchange between these two different sets in a way that I've never seen it outside of the TTT model, if that makes sense. It so, does. Oh, it um, does. Um, one of my really great friends is an atheist. The other is an agnostic. And sure. we got this joke about we walk into a bar and I'm like, just don't finish that joke because no one knows what happens. Um, but I've seen the respect um, developed in a way that I haven't seen it reflected in broader society. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, one thing I was wondering as you, as you were talking earlier about your daughter, 
Yeah. Um, did she ever attend a TTT? She session? did. She attended TTT. She developed some skill sets around having these conversations. Then she graduated and went to SLU. And I think um, probably her freshman year SLU, uh, someone called her a derogatory name. And she used the TTT muscles and had a conversation. Um, and she called me afterwards and she was like, Mom. I only had one conversation. I'm exhausted. I got to go to bed. <laughs> How are you doing this every week? And I was like, see, you don't always win over everything. Like, this is this is grace. Um, this is an impartation of grace for me to sustain this. And so, yeah, she was able to actually use a lot of that. And so I thought that was God's way of showing me, kind of confirming, this was me. I told you to do it. And there's some fruit in this seed that you sow, some fruit that you get to kind of take a bite out of. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've affected a lot of lives. I hope so. Um, and you're probably not going to know how much. Not even close. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I don't know. It's It can be overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Do you ever th- want to, you know, quit? Did it ever get to the point where? Yeah, I stopped going. Th- yeah, I'm, I'm human. I stopped going for a couple of weeks. At my capacity level was maxed out. And my husband was like, what are you doing? I was like, not going, just hanging out on a Tuesday. And he was like, Tiffany, you know, I don't think that you're supposed to quit. Like, take take a hiatus. Because in my mind, I'm not going right. back. And he said, take a hiatus, take a sabbatical, get with God, get recharged, and then get back into this, this assignment that he gave you. And so I did just that. Um, and I went back and you know, but I do have to recharge so, every now and again. Well, yes. we hope you always stay recharged and keep doing what you're doing. This is recharging. To have Ray reach out to me, I remember you. I remember our session. I remember coming back to your sessions because I, the conversations were not going. They were not. I didn't feel there was grace being extended. And I remember coming in to make sure that that was always there. See, that's 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 who she is. Okay? Yeah, and that's why DTT <laughs> couldn't you know couldn't happen without her. So know, it's so. A, it's grace for truth. That's what we exchange. So um, <laughs> I want to thank you so very welcome. very much for being here. And uh, the way we always you know end these these programs is for Mr. Bob, who is in fact. Um, in, uh, in in school, so to speak, right now, to become a deacon in our church. Congratulations. Thank you, ma'am. And so we say, well, okay, well, if, if you're going to be a deacon, we've got to give you some practice. So we let him uh, give us a closing prayer. So, Bob, if you would, please. Great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for the opportunity to exchange ideas over what might be difficult topics. With you, there are no difficult topics. With you, everything is come as you are. For us, it's hard to do. It hurts. It's difficult. We're edgy. Our back hurts a little bit. Thank you for us being there with you and you being with us to lead us, to guide us, and to take us where it is. Just allow us, as hard as it is, to know that we are to follow your lead, your love, your direction. We might have our own desires, our own wants. We may want to say something and drive it a certain way, but allow us to quit to listen to you, to love you, and to follow you wherever it is that you want to take us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the grace of the Easter season, the celebration of your risen son. And we ask you to continue to let us take care of that, to celebrate it, and to always look towards you. 
We pray all this in that wonderful and glorious Son of yours, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank everybody for listening. That's beautiful. Thank we, you. Uh, we hope this has been provocative, uh, perhaps a little instructive, uh, perhaps entertaining. Uh, but in any event and in all events, we hope you join us again. Until next time, God bless.